In this spectral podcast, we review complications associated with esophagostomy feeding tubes, or what we'll call E-tubes from now on, when placed in dogs and cats. E-tubes are relatively quick and straightforward to place, which makes them a common procedure in small animal medicine. They are incredibly useful for providing nutritional support, hydration, and administering medication in patients with any number of conditions. While a handful of previous reports in the veterinary literature have evaluated complications with the placement of these tubes, few of the studies were recent. This is a concern giving subtle changes to protocols and practices that inevitably take place over time. So Nathanson and all wanted to evaluate this in a study entitled Esophagostomy Tube Complications in Dogs and Cats, Retrospective Review of 225 Cases. In this retrospective study, the authors sought to provide an updated account of E-tube complications and to evaluate various aspects of E-tube management. The authors evaluated 225 dogs and cats that had E-tubes placed at the University of Pennsylvania over a three-year time period, from 2014 to 2017. To be included, patients must have had an E-tube placed and kept in place for at least 24 hours. The authors reviewed the medical records to document patient information, E-tube placement data, details regarding complications that occurred, and additional information regarding diagnostic results, reason for removal, and duration of E-tube placement. The 225 cases that were included were divided fairly equally between dogs and cats, with 102 E-tubes placed in dogs and 123 in cats. Let's start with the cats first. The median age was 8 years of age, with a median weight of 4.4 kilograms. The most common conditions affecting these cats in descending order were renal disease, hepatic disease, gastrointestinal disease, and pancreatitis, but a variety of other conditions were also present in smaller numbers. All of the cats with tube sizes reported had a 14 French tube size placed. There were a variety of causes for immunosuppression in this population, which is relevant given that infectious complications are of particular concern in immunosuppressed individuals. Reasons for immunosuppression included diabetes mellitus in 1, neoplasia in 12, and immunosuppressive medications in 9. Approximately three-quarters of these cats also received oral antimicrobials during or after they were hospitalized, and approximately 18% of the cats were hypoalbuminemic. In terms of anesthesia, two-thirds of the cats had additional anesthetic procedures that took place when the E-tubes were placed and the median time under anesthesia was two hours. Such procedures included laparotomies, endoscopy, laparoscopic procedures, wound treatments, dental work, dialysis catheter placement, and a variety of other imaging and sampling procedures. All but three cats had two placement confirmed by either radiographs, endoscopy, or fluoroscopy. The time between two placement and the first feeding ranged quite a bit from 2 to 144 hours, but the median time was 14 hours. Okay, so now for the dog data. Like our cats, the median age was 8 years old and the median weight was 14.2 kgs. The weight range in the dogs was quite variable though, ranging from 1.7 kgs to almost 58 kgs. As anyone who has ever placed an E-tube in a dog knows, the procedure feels very different if placing a tube in a 2-kig dog versus a 60-kig dog. In the dogs that had their tube size recorded, there were 32 patients that received a 14 French, followed by 27 patients with an 18 French, and 8 patients with an 8 French. 
Of note, the authors explained that they were unable to consistently document 30 French e-tube sizes due to the way these tubes are recorded in the records. Therefore, it is likely that a subset of dogs with tube sizes not recorded did have this larger size. The most common conditions affecting these dogs were identical to those we just mentioned in cats, but again, a variety of other conditions were also reported. Reasons for immunosuppression in the dog population included diabetes mellitus in 3, Cushing's disease in 3, neoplasia in 8, and immunosuppressive medications in 17. Almost 80% of dogs received antibiotics, and almost half of patients were hypoalbuminemic. Slightly more than half of dogs had concurrent anesthetic protocols at the time of tube placement, and the median time under anesthesia in dogs was 92.5 minutes. The concurrent anesthetic procedures included dialysis catheter placement, laparotomies, laparoscopic procedures, endoscopy, renal biopsies, wound management, dental work, imaging, joint taps, and one dog that had a buccal mucosal bleeding time test. All but one dog had two placement confirmed via the same methods as discussed in the cats, and the median time to the first feeding was 12 hours in dogs. So, what were the complications seen with E-tubes? Well, of all 225 cases, a total of 44.4% of animals experienced some form of complication, which is fairly evenly distributed between dogs and cats. This is a comparable level of complications as has been reported in past studies, and fortunately, the majority of these complications were minor. The investigators recorded complications that occurred during the hospitalization period, as well as during the follow-up visits. The most common complication reported in hospital included mucoid, mucopurulent, and purulent discharge around the stoma site in 24%, followed by inflammation around the stoma, 21%, and lastly, urethema around the stoma in 9%. These same complications were also reported at follow-up visits, with stoma site discharge occurring in 42% of animals, followed by stoma inflammation in 29%, urethema in 24%. Additionally, at follow-up, loose sutures that required suture replacement occurred in almost a quarter of animals, and the tube required replacement after becoming dislodged in 12% of animals. Other complications that occurred in less than 10% of cases included vomiting of the tube, tube readjustment due to migration, discomfort on physical examination, or tube obstruction. There was one dog that experienced an esophageal tear. While it did require that tube be removed early, fortunately the tear was able to be medically managed. Additionally, there was a dog that suffered severe hemorrhage during tube placement requiring surgical repair. The authors suspect that an anomalous arterial vessel was traumatized during placement. An interesting and newly reported complication that was noted in this study was regurgitation of food through the stoma site. This occurred in only eight patients. Unlike other complications that were fairly evenly distributed between dogs and cats, this complication was more likely to occur in dogs. Of the eight patients with this complication, seven were dogs. It is noteworthy that half the patients with this complication did not have a tube size recorded. In other words, there's a possibility that the four patients without a documented tube size had a larger 30 French size, which begs the question of whether larger tubes lead to a higher risk of this complication. It was noted that these four patients were larger dogs, greater than 20 kgs, and anecdotally, E-tubes can certainly seem a bit more challenging in a large dog as compared to a cat or small dog. 
Certainly, stomacyte infections are one of the most common complications that we discuss with owners in patients about to receive an E-tube. So, how did this population do in terms of infection? Well, there were a total of 32% of animals that developed symptoms of infection, either in hospital or at a follow-up visit. The median time between two placement and signs of infection was one week. Approximately 5% of cats and 1% of dogs developed necrotic skin around the stoma, which was noted between 2 and 22 days after placement. Fortunately, less than 5% of patients with infections required surgical debridement, and the remainder of infections were able to be resolved with antimicrobial therapy, either systemic, topical, or a combination. Of the animals with infections or with discharge around the stoma site, 25 had aerobic cultures performed. Three animals had negative cultures, but all were already receiving antimicrobial therapy. The remainder of the animals had positive cultures, with nearly 70% having multiple organisms cultured, and with almost half demonstrating methicillin or multi-drug resistance patterns. Kind of scary. Interestingly, however, Enterococcus species and E. coli were the most common culture results. The authors speculate this could be due to an enteric source of infection rather than a skin source. Given this data, particularly the high rates of antimicrobial resistance, it is highly recommended to culture, culture, culture if you have concern for infection at these stomacytes. The E-tubes were kept in place for a median of 19 days in this study. In total, approximately 3% of cats and 8% of dogs had to have their tubes removed due to complications. Sadly, there was one cat and two dogs that were euthanized due to complications. The cat was euthanized due to signs of septic shock, likely due to an abscess at the stomacyte that was identified during necropsy. One dog was euthanized due to persistent regurgitation and aspiration pneumonia, and the other due to recurrent regurgitation through the stomacyte despite aggressive interventions. No significant associations were identified between complications or infections or other clinical variables. In particular, the authors evaluated patient age, body weight, hypoalbuminemia, leukocytosis or leukopenia, antimicrobial therapy, immunosuppressive therapy, comorbidities, time to feeding, duration of tube placement, tube size, and method to confirm appropriate tube placement. The authors discuss a variety of limitations of the study, including the retrospective nature of the study, variable thoroughness of medical records, variability in recording mild complications, the potential that the study was underpowered to detect certain associations with risk factors, and limited follow-up in some cases. So, what can we take away from the Spectral podcast? E-tubes are an incredibly valuable tool for the small animal practitioner, and they remain a relatively simple and effective way to provide nutrients and hydration to our patients. While just under half of the patients in this study suffered complications, the majority of the complications were quite mild and easy to manage. No obvious patient or clinical variables were identified with an increased risk of complication in the study, though it's possible that with more cases or with a prospective study, risk factors could be identified. While serious complications were rare, there were 10 animals requiring surgical intervention in the study, and sadly, three patients were euthanized due to complications. Therefore, it is critical to monitor and maintain thorough follow-up on these patients, even if the procedure and recovery were uneventful. Also, nearly a third of animals developed signs of infection, and almost half of the patients with bacterial cultures performed had evidence of drug resistance. Yikes. 
In other words, if you want to provide the most effective and targeted treatment, it's important to provide cultures when you suspect an infection. All this said, e-tubes remain one of our most valuable tools for nutritional support. And while they are relatively safe procedures, don't forget to discuss potential complications with owners in advance.